Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the Word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. For the past four weeks, including this morning, We've been spending our time thinking about the parable of all parables, the parable that is the key to other parables, the parable of the sower. And as we have been going through these lessons, we've tried to emphasize through each of the four lessons that subtitle to this series that you see on the screens before you, How Receptive Is Your Heart? We spent some time going through each of those individual kinds of soil, three of them so far. We spent some time thinking about that wayside soil three weeks ago. That heart that hears the word, but basically already has its mind made up. It's not going to change. I'm going to hear, but I don't, I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to be challenged by that at all. And those birds represented in the parable, representing Satan, come and steal the word and nothing really ever happens. That's kind of the end of the wayside soil as far as anything of importance. Then two weeks ago, we thought about that rocky soil, the, the soil that hears and the seed goes down into the ground and a plant comes up, but there's not any effort to put down real strong, deep roots. And so when the sun comes up, that scorching sun in the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 13, he then explains it later in that chapter and says that represents tribulation and persecution that arises because of the word. And because that person doesn't have any deep seated roots, they can't handle that pressure, that persecution And they fall away. Then last week we thought about the thorny soil. And I admitted to you that's the most tempting, the easiest one to fall into if we're not careful because, boy, everything looks right. It comes up and it looks like the right kind of plant. In fact, it is the right kind of plant, but it doesn't bear anything because in that same soil there's thorns, briars, and they, they choke out the word. And Jesus said it just proves unfruitful. But with Thanksgiving being this week, aren't you thankful the parable doesn't end there? Aren't you thankful that when Jesus looked out across that crowd as he sat on that boat on that day, and the people were pressing up against that seashore, listening to him talk, Jesus knew the heart of people. And aren't you thankful that Jesus could look across that crowd, and because he knew the heart of people, yeah, yeah there were some who were wayside soil there, who were going to listen but never change. There were, there were some who were there who were rocky soil, who were going to hear this but, but never really deepen their faith. There were some who were listening to him speak on that day, who were thorny soil, who would listen but who wouldn't really make the effort to remove the, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. But as Jesus looked out in that crowd, aren't you thankful that there was some good soil? Aren't you thankful that there were good hearts? And as we think about the good soil this morning, 
I want us to be grateful. But I also want to make sure that we're self-examining. Because as we said throughout this series of lessons, you may have gotten tired of hearing it, it's so easy to just automatically think that I'm the good soil and not really think about those negative kinds, those bad kinds of soil. And yes, I want to be that good kind of soil. And I hope you do too. And I, I think there's a lot of good soil in here, but I don't know the hearts of people. I only know my heart is, as far as it's revealed in the Word of God and my, my comparison to that or frankly sometimes the contrast to that, unfortunately. But I want to be that good kind of soil. But it's so easy to just know there's a good kind of soil and not really study what it means. And so this morning I want to think about that good kind of soil. We're going to have three things this morning. Two of them that make for good soil or good hearts. And then the payoff, the outcome of it all, the application of it all. First of all this morning, consider the fact that for your heart to be good, for it to be good soil, the heart must be prepared. The heart is prepared. Now, this first point is not as clearly seen in the parable as, as the other two will be. But it's implied very carefully, very very seriously, because it's seen in what Jesus says in the parable and the explanation and just a little bit of terminology. In verse 8, as Jesus told the parable in Matthew chapter 13, he, he said that the seed, other seeds fell on good soil. And if you're in Matthew 13 and glance all the way down to verse 23, as Jesus was explaining the parable, he said, as for what was sown on good soil. That's the English Standard Version. But some of you are reading from other translations this morning, and you're saying, well, that's not what my Bible says. If you're reading the King James Version or some other translations, your Bible says it was sown into good soil. I don't want to get super technical this morning, but the original word is a very generic word. It's a generic preposition. It can mean on, it can mean into, it can mean all kinds of things. The context determines what it means. And considering that this is good soil, that's going to produce a plant, that's going to produce fruit or grain or whatever it is, I think the King James translators have it right here. That the seed, yeah, it lands on top of the soil, but it goes down into the soil. And that's what produces that crop, that abundant harvest. But that implies something, does it not? You don't get good soil overnight. That just doesn't happen. No one becomes good soil just immediately. Just because I want to be right now and snap my fingers and, yep, I'm, I'm good soil, I'm a good heart. It takes work, it takes cultivation or, or preparation to have that good kind of soil. Those of you who grow flowers or, or have, a, have a farm, you know that you may be able to get a crop that first year or grow some flowers that first year, but over the years you keep working on that soil, don't you? And part of the reason is you know if you keep working on that soil, things are only going to get better. That the, the produce or the beauty of the flowers or the strength of the flowers is only going to be better as the years go by because you keep working in that soil, adding in the right kinds of things and taking out the wrong kinds of things and just doing those things that are necessary. But it's hard work. No one becomes good soil overnight. No one becomes a good kind of heart just immediately. Now think of the work that's going to take. And what's interesting is, if you want to prepare your heart to be good soil, well, all you got to do is contrast yourself to the negative three soils in the same parable. How do I prepare my heart? Well, a good heart that's prepared is, number one, one that's willing to hear new information. Isn't that what stands in contrast to the wayside soil? Oh, the wayside soil heard what was said, but the mind was already made up. They weren't going to change anything. Now, you've got to be careful in saying this, I know, but 
A good heart is one who's willing to listen to new information, but they have a standard to compare it by. That ultimately, of course, is the Word of God. Just because something new doesn't mean it's right. But a good heart is one that's willing to hear and be challenged by something that's new. And it makes them think. They compare it to the Word of God. But if all I say is, well, I've already got everything figured out. I'll go listen to them, but I'm not changing anything ever. That's not preparing a good heart. Am I willing to really hear things that may challenge me in ways I've never been challenged before? May I even ask you, as I've asked myself as i prepared these lessons, did you know the parable of the sower so well that you stopped listening to these sermons in week one? Because you just knew where we were going in them. Is that not an eye-opening question? But a good heart... A prepared heart is one that's willing to hear. It stands in contrast to the wayside soul. But then a heart that's prepared also is one that's willing to spend time in the Word to deepen his or her faith. That stands in contrast to the rocky soil, doesn't it? Do you remember the rocky soil heard the Word and it went in, but it didn't take the time to deepen its faith, its roots in the the picture of the parable. I prepare my heart by hearing things, but always comparing it to the Word of God. And spending time making sure that I'm deepening my faith in Scripture. Because I know difficulties are come. I know things I'm going to hear that are going to be new, that are going to be against the Word of God. And I need to be prepared to face those things and how to answer those things. Even before we become good soil, we need to realize that we're going to have to strengthen our faith in the Word of God. And then three, if I want to prepare my heart, I must have my sole focus on being good soil. That's what stands in contrast to the thorny soil, is it not? The thorny soil grew up a plant, but it never did the hard work of removing those other things, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. If I want to be good soil, I have to want to be good soil. I have to put forth every effort to remove those things that would block, that would press in and hold out the the truth of God's Word. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 24 in principle, that no one can serve two masters. It's what the Hebrews writer would say in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, going through the first couple of verses, that I must be willing to lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that's set before me or before us. It has to be my sole focus that I want to be a good heart. I want to be good soil. If you're willing to do those things, then when you read God's Word, or when you hear God's Word taught or proclaimed or whatever, your heart is ready. But there must be preparation. And may I suggest that we prepare our minds before we go to Bible class. That we prepare our minds before we hear a sermon. That even before we pick up God's Word and do our daily Bible reading, that we prepare our minds that we're going to hear the word of the Lord or read the word of the Lord. The good soil is a heart that's prepared. But then number two, the good soil is a heart that's open. Once that heart is cultivated, once that heart is prepared, Jesus says in Matthew 13 verse 23, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Now, if you'll go back in your minds to the first lesson we presented in this series, that stands in stark contrast to something we talked about with the wayside soil, doesn't it? Because back up in verse 19, Jesus has said about the wayside soil, this is the one who hears the word and does not understand it. And you may recall we spent a little bit of time talking about how that almost sounds a little cruel, doesn't it? To, to say it's wayside, bad soil, just because they don't understand. 
And now Jesus is saying, the good soil is the one who, who does understand. But do you remember that Jesus had given the explanation in verses 11 through 17? When he talked about those who heard and did not understand, he was talking about those who didn't want to. That their ears heard, but they didn't hear. Their, their eyes saw, but they didn't see. Their, their heart had, had grown hard. And so when Jesus talks about the good soil, and says this is the one who hears and does understand, what he's saying is it's the exact opposite. This is the one who hears and wants to understand. I want to drink deeply from the Word of God. I I want to hear things that challenge me and make me think and make me see, am I really being what God would have me to be? That's a heart that's open. We've mentioned a couple times going through this series of lessons that Matthew is not the only one to record the parable of the soul. We've read from it each week. That's where we've taken our, our lesson texts from. But in Luke's account... He puts a phrase in, it's very important to this point. As he records Jesus' telling of the parable of the sower and his explanation, in Luke 9 and verse 15, he has Jesus saying in the explanation that as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. That little phrase, honest and good, or honest and good heart, that sheds so much light on our thoughts of being the good soil and, and having the right kind of heart. I, I once time heard a preacher say that we need to make sure we get that, that order correct. He said that a heart is not good unless it's first honest. It's kind of an interesting way of putting it. But Jesus was saying there has to be an honesty in our heart, a goodness in our heart, if we want to be that good kind of, of soil. Well, how does that hold up? I've got to be honest about a few things. And we can make a long list, but let me share with you just about three. I've got to be honest, first of all, about the fact that I have sinned. And I'm going to be tempted. I have to be honest about the fact that when I see things in Scripture that are, that are wrong, if I've done those things or if I've failed to do those things that God says are right, I have to be willing to admit that. That takes honesty. That takes a willingness to say, I'm not measuring up to the standard. A heart is not first good unless it's honest. Am I willing to say? Am I honest enough about the fact that I have sin, or at least I'm tempted towards certain things? I also have to be honest about the fact that I don't have all the answers. <gasps> I know. I know it surprises you too. It shocked me when I figured that I don't have all the answers, right? But I have to be honest about that. I have to be honest about the fact that God has given me a standard, and at times I don't know those things. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Does that sound familiar? That sounds almost biblical to me, doesn't it? That sounds like something found in the Old Testament. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of that way is the way of death. I don't have all the answers. But I also need to be honest about the fact that Jesus is the answer. Hebrews begins by telling us God who in past times in diverse manners spake unto the fathers through the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us through His Son. Jesus has the answers. How do I know how to be faithful to God? I look at what Jesus said and taught and inspired people to write in the New Testament, His, His Testament, the New Testament. How do I know how to be faithful in my family? I look at what Jesus said and taught and had people write down in His Testament, the New Testament. Where are the answers to life? In Christ. Is my heart open enough to hear what He has to say? And to admit, I don't have all the answers until I have His answers. Until I have what He would have me to be, what He would have me to believe, what He would have me to do. That's what it takes. 
And I think we see an example of that in those ones we often call the noble Bereans of Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, they're described this way. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, now what was going on in that context? Well, Paul and Silas had come down to this place called Berea and they were, they were teaching, but they were teaching Jews. And Jews had followed the way of God their whole life, right? They had followed the law of Moses, but now Paul and Silas aren't talking about the way of Moses. They're not talking about bringing animal sacrifices or the day of atonement or going to the temple. They're talking about Jesus and they're talking about the church and they're talking about those kind of things. And isn't it telling and wonderful that these people didn't just turn their ears off and go, well, that's that's just different. There's no way I'm listening to that. But instead, they said, "I, I don't have all the answers, but this book does. And they didn't even have the writings of Jesus yet. They were comparing what Paul and Silas were saying to what the Old Testament said, probably through prophecy, and examining to see, are those things so? Are they right? That's an honest and good heart. Folks, I don't question the sincerity of so many religious people around me, around us, but I hear far too many people in the religious world who give the reason for doing something in the religious realm, and the reason is, well, my pastor says... Or, you know, our church teaches, or even worse, I just feel like our only reason for doing anything in the realm of religion should be the Scriptures say. That should be our reason. Is my heart open to, thus says the Lord. That's an honest and good heart. You've got someone who prepares their heart, cultivates that heart. You've got someone who has an open heart. They're willing to listen. They're willing to say, I I don't have all the answers, but this book does. Jesus does. What's the result? Oh, it's beautiful. Number three, there is a harvest. Jesus said he indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold. In another, sixty. In another, thirty. In other words, hearts that hear the word of God and let it take root and remove worldliness and let the word of God dwell richly in their heart, they produce a harvest for the kingdom of God. The question becomes, what is this harvest? Have you not ever found it interesting that Jesus takes the time to tell this parable in verses 1 through 9 of Matthew 13, and then he takes the time a few verses later to explain what seems like every detail of the parable except this one. You ever notice that? He does not say the harvest is fill in the blank. When he comes to the explanation, he again just says it brings forth a harvest. 160, 30. So what's he talking about? Well, there's a couple of possibilities. Some have suggested that he's talking about a harvest fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That if, if I let the word of God go into my heart, go into my soul and take root there, that I'll find myself having those qualities. And that's possible. But think of the parable. What's the parable all about? It's all about someone hearing the word of God, letting it sink into their heart, and becoming for Christ what they should be. But how did the parable begin? 
Someone went and sowed the seed. What's the harvest? It's other Christians. It's more people who hear and who become these kinds of soil. But there's another oddity in this to me. And that is, why did Jesus give these numbers? Some 100, some 60, some 30. Well, it's not a mathematical formula. He, he's not saying, if you've only brought 29 people to me, you're not faithful. You're not good. That's not what he's saying. It's not a mathematical thing. Part of it is he's simply saying, anybody who grows stuff realizes some years you're going to have more and some less. And some people are going to have more opportunities. They're going to be around more people. They're going to have, if you please, better skills where they can reach people. That's, that's going to happen. Some are going to be more effective, if you will, in reaching lost souls and other people. We, we understand that. But I think the key is not in the numbers. I think the key is what in Jesus, is what in Jesus did not say. And that's this. Jesus did not say, someone goes and yields a hundredfold and that's the faithful one. Someone's kinda okay and they yield sixty and then there's the thirty over there. He didn't say that at all, did he? There's not even so much as a hint of him praising the hundredfold and denigrating the the thirtyfold. He is simply saying some will win more than others. Some will be more effective than others. But the beauty of it all is there's a harvest. You have the seed that goes into the ground and it grows into a, a plant that unlike the thorny soil does not just look like the plant. It produces what the plant is supposed to produce. That's the beauty of this parable. And that's the beauty of the good soil. Now, as we draw this lesson and this whole series to a close, I want to give two very brief takeaways. One is from what we just talked about. Takeaway number one is something we've sung a couple of times during, during this, season, this series. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom? Takeaway number one from this whole series is, I must be sowing the seed. If this parable, as we've just said, has something to do with with soul winning or winning people for Christ or bringing people to Christ, our job is to sow the seed of the Word of God. Later on, Paul would write that someone cannot hear unless someone teaches them. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. You know, for someone to become a Christian, if if you please, for a harvest of Christians, three things have to be present. First of all, There has to be a (laughs) non-Christian. You're going, boy, you stayed up all night figuring that one out, right? But there has to be someone to teach. There has to be, if you please, a prospect. That good soil, that that good and honest heart. But there also has to be the seed that's sown. In Luke's account, he would say the seed is the word of God. I want to make this point very, very, very clear. We will not harvest Christians unless we sow Only the Word of God and the unadulterated Word of God. We have no right to change it. We have no right to add to it. We have no right to water it down. We must present the Word of God in its fullness. If you plant green beans in the spring, you expect green beans in the summer or early fall, whenever it is, right? But you can't just plant seed. It has to be good seed, right? Or it's not going to be what it's supposed to be. There has to be a prospect. There has to be the right kind of heart. There has to be the seed. But then, folks, there has to be a sower. There has to be somebody to go out and actually spread that seed. But I want to point out something else that Jesus did not say in this parable. Have you ever noticed he didn't make fun of the guy or run the guy down for sowing seed on the negative soil? 
You ever notice that? Our job as Christians is not to be soil testers. Our job is to be seed sowers. It is so easy to see someone who you know is lost, a friend, a loved one, someone that lives next door to you or down the road from you, someone you work with, and you almost get up the courage to invite them to a Bible study or to invite them to church, to ask them some question that might lead to to something. Oh, but he won't listen because dot, dot, dot. She would never listen because we are not in the business of soil testing. We're in the business of seed sowing. You'll never find the good soil unless you're spreading the word of God on every kind of heart. But then the ultimate takeaway and how we've listed, ended, excuse me, every lesson in this series is to stop thinking outward for a moment and ask myself, how is my heart? After looking at the wayside soil, after looking at the rocky soil, after looking at the thorny soil, and thankfully after looking at the good soil, can I honestly say that that fourth one is who I am? How's your heart? Is your mind already made up about things? You're not willing to be challenged by truth. Then you're not what God would have you to be. Are you taking time? Are you not taking time to to deepen your roots and to really spend time in God's word? Then you're not what God would have you to be. Are you not doing the hard work of removing those things that press in on on, on the truth of God's Word? You you look like a Christian, but you're not producing any fruit for the kingdom. Then you're not what God would have you to be. Or, are you really the good soil that hears the Word and understands it because you want to understand it? And when it grows, there is a harvest. Some very effectively, a hundredfold. Some sixty. Some thirty. But there's a harvest. Not not just because of you, but because of the Word of God living in you. And making you effective in the kingdom. I want so much to be the good soil. And I pray you do too. Only Jesus, through His Word, and our effort and willingness and humility can make that happen. Are you willing this morning to do what He says? To remove those things, have Him remove those things, really, that cause you to be separated from Him by sin? Do you believe That He is the Son of God. Are you willing to confess those things that are wrong? Repent of them and confess them and confess that Jesus is really Lord and Savior. Are you willing to be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins? That's what Scripture says.
One must do in order to be saved. If you've never done that, this is the day to do that. But folks, that parable was told to religious people. People who knew the law of Moses better than I know pretty much anything. And Jesus was saying there are all kinds, all those kinds of soil represented in those people who are listening to him. And maybe this morning you're here, but you're not really that good soil. But you want to be. The good news is, even though it takes work, we're not in the soil testing business, but God's in the soil changing business. And with your humility and your willingness to work, God will change your heart into that honest and good heart that hears the word and produces. If that's your desire this morning, we invite you to come while we stand and sing to encourage you.